Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. And my guests today are Rebecca Keat and Siri Lindley, highly vocal and apparently highly effective advocates for ending horse slaughter. They're co-founders of Horses in Our Hands, a nonprofit involving a broad coalition of experts and high-profile figures committed to halting horse slaughter. Keat and Lindley were guests on Talking Animals in 2020, all but promising to fulfill their fervent quest by lobbying Congress to ban the export of horses. Their efforts and those of many with the same agenda appear to be paying off. Just last Thursday, there was a committee hearing on the banned horse slaughter bill, H.R. 3355, SAFE, which is an acronym for Save America's Forgotten Equines Act. They will discuss that hearing, what needs to happen next to push this bill forward, and how we could all contribute to this campaign's success, and probably other topics too. When I speak with Rebecca Keat and Siri Lindley in a few moments here on Talking Animals on WMNF. Later in today's program, I'll talk with Ann, uh, Amy DeAndrea, owner of a company called Pet Emergency Education, which offers pet health-related classes, including a pet CPR and first aid certification class in Brandon this Saturday, June 4th. More on that later in today's show. Right now, though, I'd like to take a moment to discuss something very important, WMNF Summer Fun Drive. It starts June 7th. That's a week from yesterday, meaning the Talking Animals Fun Drive show will be a week from today, June 8th. Now, I'll be out of town, as it turns out, that day, but I've assembled a dream team, Bev Capshaw, Laura Taylor, and the fabulous Flea, to raise money in my absence for Talking Animals and, of course, for WMNF at large. I'm asking you a favor. Please pledge early, like right now, for example, to take pressure off Bev, Laura, and Flea and trying to reach the absurdly high fundraising goal I've been assigned. Please donate through our tip jar. It's really easy to do. Go to WMNF.org, find Talking Animals in the broadcast schedule, then just locate uh, our tip jar on that page and just uh, put a few bucks in. Whatever you can swing would be great. No amount is too small, and, of course, no amount is too large either. Uh, So, anyways, thanks for doing that. And, of course, as always, we have some Talking Animals exclusive thank you gifts for pledges of various levels. Visit TalkingAnimals.net. Right now, to check some of those out, we have a, including a pair of amazing tickets to see Seely Dan at the Mahaffey Theater, and a pair of incredible tickets to an incredible concert, Buddy Guy and John Hyatt on the same show at Ruth Eckert Hall. I'm also offering a nifty pet water bottle and bowl combo, perfect as we move into summer and warm weather. This is great for your dog on walks, at the beach, on hikes, and we have plenty of other cool gifts to thank you for your pledges for. Um, and there's information about that at TalkingAnimals.net, again, along with fast, easy ways to pledge. It takes a couple minutes, maybe three at the most. So please do what you can to help support Talking Animals starting today. And um, don't wait till next Wednesday. Again, let's really see if we can get a jump on this big, big goal. 
Right now, though, let's discuss horse slaughter legislation with Rebecca and Siri with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. This is Rebecca Keat and Siri Lindley back on Talking Animals on WMF. Good morning. Hello. Having us back, we're so thrilled to be on the show again, and we appreciate your uh, wanting to hear all the great news. Yeah, well, again, it, it is unusual. Sometimes people are never on a second time, and certainly rarely is it within a couple of years. But in this case, there's so much going on and so much uh, what seems like super good, promising news that it's, I think, really important to kind of get a, a, a big update and get people um, not only aware of kind of what all you guys have been doing and people like mine and people have been doing, but see what we all can do to help in our own ways. So, um so I do want to talk about those significant inroads that that have been made on legislation to to hold horse slaughter, and uh, certainly want to describe you know ask you to describe last Thursday's hearing, but in part to provide context for those discussions, we should probably review some key elements of our previous conversation, uh, just so people kind of are, are are have a baseline that's all the same. So let's talk, for example, as I recall from our other conversation, there's sort of a pivotal horse in this story that in some ways kind of got this thing launched for you guys, at least. Can you? Yes. Good uh, story. Sarah, you can tell you that one. That is my horse, Savannah. And I rescued Savannah five years ago, and I really knew nothing about horses. But this horse came into my life, and in the process of learning how to be her partner, be her leader, I learned so much about myself. And she actually just showed me a bravery and a courage that I never knew could exist inside of me. And then soon after, and Duncan, I, I think this was when we had spoke last, I got diagnosed with basically a deadly disease, acute myeloid leukemia. Um, apparently, the statistics were like less than 5% that I was going to survive it. But this course... Obviously, I'm here today, thank God, and I am. I survived, and I'm thriving. Yeah. And I feel like that's in huge part to this horse, because what happened was, this horse changed my life. And I got online one day and just Googled, why would I need to rescue a horse? And this video came up, Duncan, and it broke my heart. It was horses being shipped in a way too small stock trailer, getting off the truck with eyeballs coming out of their eyes, legs broken, some of them didn't make the trip, being hit with steel posts going into this building where they were pulled up on pulleys by their back legs, shot in the head once, and then they missed most of the time, they weren't, they hadn't died, and they were being dismembered alive, blood everywhere, the screaming, the horses watching, and I fell to the ground. I could not believe my eyes, and I started wailing, and Beck came running up the stairs thinking that someone I loved had died, and I just pointed at the screen, and she watched this absolutely horrific slaughter that was happening, and we looked at each other, and we knew that our lives would never be the same. We had to end this, because I just had never seen anything so horrific in my entire life. So because of this horse, Savannah, 
the next day, we created our first nonprofit, Believe Ranch and Rescue. And uh, since then, we've saved 185 horses. Wait, I was going to say one yesterday, 187. Oh, 187. 187. <laughs> wow. Okay, we, we're keeping track in real time, for sure. Yeah. But the beautiful, beautiful part is that most of these horses that we have rescued have gone on to save humans, literally, through equine therapy, um, people with PTSD, kids with autism, disability, you know, cancer survivors. They were a huge part in my healing and being here today. So these are just magical, magical beings, teachers, healers. And Savannah started it all. So she is kind of the poster child for this whole effort. Sorry, that was long-winded. No, no, that's great. And, and I do have a couple of questions just because I think sometimes when people listen to uh, this show and hear the stories of, of advocates and people doing amazing work, they think, well, that's great, but I could never do that. So I want to back up a little bit and... Um, because it sounds like the way you sort of, I mean, you got into the, the, the important details, obviously, but, but at the beginning, it almost sounds like you ran into uh, Savannah, like, you know, at the, at, at the restaurant or, you know, uh, in line for gas or whatever. Um, so, like, how, how did you actually encounter Savannah initially? And number one, and number two, at some point, um, maybe you guys could each answer what your background was with horses just because um, that's that would seem to figure into the story in some way or another. Yeah, and, and I definitely didn't meet her at a gas station. <laughs> okay, all right. Out <laughs> in California. Well, no, just the way you said it, you thought, oh, this, this horse came into my life. That, well, geez, how, how so exactly? But no, so yeah. <laughs> no, that was hilarious, Duncan. We were out in California, and Beck had grown up on a farm. She can share her background, but... Um, I was writing my book and every morning I would walk the dogs about a half mile down the road and there was this horse in this tiny pasture and I'd never been around horses before, but every morning I would stop and I would spend time with this horse and I would just leave feeling so calm and feeling so centered and present. And when we left after about a month of me seeing this horse every morning on our way driving home, I asked Beck to stop into this horse store that had like a saddle store. She's like, why in the world would you want to go in there? Well, I, I walked in. I came out wearing a cowboy hat. And she looked at me and she said, that looks ridiculous. When are you ever going to wear that? And I said, well, I'm manifesting having a horse one day. And it turns out when we got home, um, I'm a triathlon coach. and I Wait, back up. Okay. Siri is a two-time world champion and coach to how many world titles now? It's like 14 world titles, two Olympic medals, probably the most renowned female coach in the world, definitely for the sport of triathlon. <laughs> She never does that justice, so I'm just going to jump in and add that. Well, yeah, well, I was going to circle back around that, but I'm glad you jumped in because, you know, it, it's, it, it's yet another important detail, and some of these are getting glossed over already as we're barely into the conversation here. So, uh, Okay, so thank you, Beck, for that. But uh, So I was riding my bike down a road I had ridden down almost every day of the last 20 years, and I looked to the right, and it said Colorado Horse Rescue, and I had never noticed it before. And so I rode my bike in there, and I filled out a form so that I could spend time with the horses, and it turned out to be an adoption. Like, it That's what she tells adopt. me. I don't know how to story <laughs> Well, the next day, Beck wakes up, and there's a trailer in our driveway. And she said, Siri, what in the world? Why is there a horse trailer in the driveway? And I said, oh, I don't know. It's good for carrying our athletes' bikes. It'll just be handy. 
And so I literally had the trailer, the truck, everything before I even rescued a horse. And it was just one of those things, Dustin, and maybe your listeners can relate to this, a moment where you're just being pulled to something, and it doesn't make sense, you don't understand why, but you just have to go with that feeling and trust it. And that's what happened to me, and thank God my wife didn't divorce me. Um, but, yeah, Duncan, sorry. I, I, but Beck can, so Beck as well, and this is important, is one of the top Ironman athletes in the history of the sport. So we are both endurance athletes. Yeah. And when we saw what happened, the brutality, and we committed to, first of all, saving the horses, which we did, but then we thought, this is just putting a Band-Aid on the situation. Like, we have to end this all together. And when we started speaking about that, like, people, we really had people laugh at us. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I was so kind of defeated when this lady said, you're never going to be able to do that. You've only had horses for five years. And my wife jumped in and said, you don't understand. We are both world champion triathletes who spent years going after one goal. And we failed over and over again. But through those 10 years and 20 years that we trained for this, we achieved our ultimate goal of becoming world champions. And we will not stop until we get this bill passed. Yeah. Well, I don't think you know who you're talking to, pal, right? It's basically what you were saying to that, to that uh, doubting uh, person there, that naysayer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so this, uh, yeah, I think this obviously was, was preordained. I, I think that something about that hat may have had some special powers too, but that that's just speculation on my part. But, um, get a hat. That's how you start. Yeah. Well, no, because it is it is notable that you kind of launched yourself with everything but the horse, and then mm-hmm. and then not coincidentally, probably Savannah tur- did turn up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Manifestation has been a huge part of this, and the way the universe now we kind of just giggle. Um, the universe has so, and I don't even want to use the word conspired for us because it's more than that. It's the universe has supported us in just brought so much into this for us to make this successful. And, of course, we work our ass, we've worked our asses off, off every single week and dedicated to this cause. But the universe has really, really been supportive. And if we if we could write a book on how many times we've said, well, this is really what we need, let's send it out there and really, you know, it's just it's incredible. If you would be blown away. So yeah. what we really needed was the support, the community. Oh, it's been to, unbelievable. To believe in the fact that we could do this as well and the community that now has built to, you know, 9 million uh, people on social media that support our cause and what we're doing, 84 million uh, viewers of our commercial that went out, a nationally acclaimed commercial, you know, asking people to help us ban horse slaughter and 217,000 emails sent to legislators, 1,700 letters, to the editor, like we couldn't do any yeah. of this without all of you. And when people think, oh, I'm one person, I can't make a difference, this is why we've gotten as far as we have because every person thought, you know what, maybe I can make a difference. Yeah. And now, you know, they had this study by a very well known group, Lake Research Partners, um, just in February 2022, that went out and 84% of Americans. across political parties, whether they live in urban environments, suburban or rural environments, 
84% of people do not want horses slaughtered for human consumption. So this is a bipartisan bill, but it's raising awareness, which we have done. That's been our, our ultimate goal, raising the awareness and getting people to understand that you matter. You make a difference. Please join us because right now we need you more than ever. And, you know, I think that's a, a super important point. I mean, obviously, with all those uh, social media numbers and views and, and other things and emails, uh, because I, 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 I think we talked about this before, and I think it's still important now, because I, I, I think a lot of people would still be quite surprised to hear uh, horse slaughter uh, still goes on and and what happens in different countries and, and what what kind of um, you know loopholes there are in places even where it's in theory outlawed. Maybe you guys could talk a little bit about that just so, again, we have more context for all the, the incredible efforts that you and others have, have put into this. Sure. So, and so, so what's the question, Duncan, exactly? Well, just uh, just to talk about horse slaughter, because uh, to me, like I say, I think a lot of people, you guys are totally immersed in it and have been, but I think a lot of people, even that care about animals, which would obviously be the profile of people that listen to this show, might be kind of surprised to hear the extent to which horse slaughter still continues mm-hmm. and what happens sure. internationally and what kind of loopholes there might be in laws that... Uh, ostensibly have, have banned or outlawed horse slaughter, but there's ways that people find to go around those laws. And so just if you could just kind of give us a little more context for why some of this legislation is so sorely needed when some people might rightly think, you know, without being exposed to all that information, well, how big of an issue could it be? And it turns out it's, it's huge. It's huge. It's, it's, and it's, this is where education has been so important. And we feel like the awareness has been brought by you know, there's a lot of, we can't claim everything that we've done all the work because there's a lot of grassroots, amazing, amazing small rescues and other, you know, grassroots um, uh, lobbying and education organisations, the smaller guys, honestly, not the big groups, um, that have just pushed the years on this. But we have to think outside the box and think, how can we use our, and Siri, you know, is a celebrity in the sports arena, she talks for Tony Robbins, so how can we use that platform um, delicately but also use that to, to, to bring this awareness. And, and we're very fortunate to, to have that, especially with, with serious speaking. But we really realised the awareness just wasn't there. So how do we educate the, the public on this? And as Siri said, we've reached uh, millions of people, uh, millions of households without a van horse sort of um, commercial. But we've had to think outside the box. So the education was so important. And people would sort of say, oh, well, horse slaughter's banned here. Well, technically, actually, legally, it's not actually banned, unfortunately. But fortunately, the Safe Act will ban um, horse slaughter permanently here and the shipment of our horses for human consumption outside of the country. Um, and it's, the reason why it's not banned permanently is basically because the Safe Act hasn't passed. But fortunately, legislators are supportive of this. As Siri said, it's very, very bipartisan. And there is a there's an amendment... So there's a, uh, there's a um, defunding of the USDA inspections for our slaughter plants here that are foreign-owned, that American taxpayers were paying to be, um, to be inspected. And, you know, we were paying for these foreign-owned slaughterhouses, which is, again, just ridiculous. And so the amendment, the, sorry, the uh, defund um, amendment is just stops them from being opened each year. So 
that's a good thing. But again, it's not permanently banned. And when people say permanently banned, well, unfortunately, it's not permanently banned here. And there maybe maybe it goes on behind the scenes. Um, that's another issue altogether. But um, since starting this campaign, we've actually reduced the number of horses. And again, I'm not going to claim that we did all of this, but we were a big part of it. Um, along with Europe now not allowing a lot of meat imported from Mexico because they found 79% of the horse meat is extremely bruised because of the way they're beaten to a pulp before they even kill them, um, or should say dismember them alive. So that has helped as well. But we've reduced the number. When we started, there was about 100,000 horses a year being shipped. There's been over a million in the last 20 years. And fortunately, although way too many still, um, 26,000 have been shipped um, this year in 2021. That's still a huge number, but what you have to remember when people say, what about these unwanted horses? The horses that are shipped, they found a study showed 92% are healthy young horses, and they the kill buyers need to meet a quota for these foreign-owned plants So to Mexico and Canada. So they will go in and outbid us, and we know because we aren't just lobbying this. We're on the freaking ground rescuing horses every week. We get outbid by kill buyers. We sit at the auction. They push our prices up. There are very good homes. There's 2.3 million the ASPCA have said homes available to take these horses in, and we only have at the moment 26,000 are being shipped. So there is plenty of homes for them. But the problem is the kill buyers need to meet their quota, so they'll they'll outbid perfectly um, good owning private homes and rescues like us to, to meet their quota to ship these horses. So it's a predatory industry. It's disgusting. And it's not a multi-billion dollar industry. It's not the cattle industry. It's not what we're... We're not... Nothing to do with that. It's just horses. So hopefully that educated a couple of people that didn't maybe know the whole aspect of the slaughter pipeline. But the fact, the fact really it comes down to, Duncan, is that you've got to do what's right and horse slaughter is not humane euthanasia. It is disgusting, it's barbaric, and it has to end. Yeah. No child of God, no being, no anything should be dismembered alive. No being should be tortured to that extent after serving humans for a lifetime. I mean, we fought wars on their back. They, they carried us across the frontiers. They have been our teachers. They have been our companions, our best friends. Like, no being should be tortured in that way. Yeah. And the thing too, like Beck said, it's a demand-driven business. Um, when you go to auction, 93% of the horses that go to auction land in the kill buyer's hands, not because they're not, you know, perfectly good homes that want to buy them, but like Beck said, the kill buyer is upping the prices. They're paid by the pound. They're paid by the pound and what healthy young horses and... So it's been raising awareness to say, hey, this is what's happening at auctions. But the key is, you know, we it just need to stop this. And and the torture begins as uh, on the feedlot. Well, the torture mm-hmm. begins on the feedlot, no food, no water. Then in the transport, you know, a three-day trip, no food, no water, way to, you know, cram stock trailers that horses shouldn't be traveling in anyway. So it is just brutal. And the thing is, this act, the SAFE Act, will ban the transport of horses into Mexico, into Canada. It will stop all of the... All equine, all together. People ask, what about burros? What about donkeys? And I I always ask a lobbyist about this, and it's all equines are covered. Every single horse, donkey, mule, burrow, that is considered equine. So if you're freaking out, well, what about burros? And what about donkeys? They're all covered. So the HR 3355 covers everything. It's the cleanest bill. 
It has to go. We have and to get it through clean. That we way cannot touch anything. Yeah. It's got to go through because this is the furthest we've ever gotten. It got stuck in the subcommittee last time, but Chairman Cologne has been an absolute hero for our hero. horses. And, and if you guys don't know Chairman Cologne, go and follow him, go and support him, go and thank him. He brought the bill to this subcommittee for a hearing, and he is an amazing human being. He loves horses. He grew up with horses. He grew up cleaning stalls at the racetrack and... He's been our hero along with Jan Chikowski, so yes. please and, thank him if you can. And in the hearing last Thursday, there was no pushback. You know, people see that this bill needs to pass, and right now we just need more letters going and saying, hey, get this on the floor, let's vote this bill through. Let's get a markup. We, just, mm-hmm. we need a markup. And for those of you that wonder about the meat, well, maybe people need that meat. No, the meat is toxic. That's the other thing. Horse meat is toxic because we have been giving horses, you oh, know, all kinds of, yeah. you know, worms steroids, and God knows what else. So the meat is not meat that people should be eating anyway. We and yeah. Americans don't. Yes, we don't. Thank God. Okay, so uh, I'm going to follow up with some questions, get a little bit more about the SAFE Act and the hearing the other day. And and I think, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, terms like kill buyer, uh, again, may be a little esoteric for some of of our listeners, so we'll come back to that. But first, I just want to let folks know that might just be tuned in. This is Talking Animals on WMF. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you did just tune in, my guests are Rebecca Keat and Siri Lindley, co-founders of Horses in Our Hands, an organization dedicated to ending horse slaughter. If you'd like to ask Siri or Rebecca a question or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. And in fact, one of our emailers has a question that kind of dovetails with some of what you touched on in that last uh, uh, few moments there. Um, Basically says, what your guests think about horse rating? And I think specifically what he's asking about is, uh, do the racing horses that get injured often end up getting slaughtered for meat? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, the horse racing industry has been much more supportive lately, and a new group has formed with the, the trotting um, industry, the Trotting Organized Association, and a lot of the thoroughbred racing industry have gotten together, and this is what we've really needed, Duncan, um, to really get this once it goes to the house. We're speaking hypothetically here, but it's got to go to the Senate and we really need those Republican supporters and the horse industry, the horse racing industry has just created the stretch alliance and although we're not a part of it, it is a huge advantage for um, getting that, the movement in that area and the thoroughbred industry thankfully have an off-the-back thoroughbred um, uh, a rescue, uh, uh, what's it called, off-the-track off thoroughbred program where a lot of the thoroughbreds now go to rescues. They, um, it's a very small amount. That, um, fortunately, it's a very small amount that are actual thoroughbreds. I think it's less than 10%. Unfortunately, it's the quarter horse industry that is responsible for most of these um, domestic horses that are, that are shipped to slaughter. I think they make up close to 90% um, of the horses, of the domestic horses that are shipped. So uh, the, the, the racing industry has really gotten behind this now and we've really, really needed that. And we're grateful for that, and there's been a big push for that, and I think that has helped significantly with where we're at right now. All right. Well, it's hard these days to have anything favorable said about horse racing or the industry, so that's good that there's a mm-hmm. plus there. So let's get let's get a caller involved in the conversation as well. Hi, you're on Talking Animals, Rebecca Keat and Siri Lindley. Hi. How y'all doing today? Okay. Good. Do you have a question or a comment? Uh, just a comment. If people want to understand a lot more about horses, don't forget tonight on MPT you got the show Equus and you know it's good 
they can understand that the horses are a lot more intelligent and work can read us better than we can read them. Uh, and might bring that up because it's a real important that that seventeen facial expressions to communicate. And Amazing. I don't think a lot of people realize how intelligent a horse actually is. They think you break a horse, you don't break a horse. You you work with the horse, and it reads you. And I think Amen. if you got them to watch that program, maybe they'd understand a little bit more and think differently. I just wanted to mention it. Okay. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate your comment. Thank you so much for your call. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. So. Uh, thank so much for that comment. And Before you are. Talk, can I just say something? Equus Foundation actually are playing our band hospital commercial on their show. So we we are very big partners of theirs. So thank you. And you're 100% right. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, we run programs here at our ranch, uh, equine therapy, equine assisted coaching programs. And I didn't get your name, but uh, the beautiful gentleman. Horses are so brilliant. And they are mirrors. To humans, and when you watch, even just if you witness a herd, you will see that the horse's top qualities are things like non-judgment, trust, acceptance, um, you know, kindness and compassion. And if we could all embody the beautiful traits that horses teach us, this world would be the most beautiful, peaceful place. But this is why, because they are mirrors for us, they can teach us how to navigate life's greatest challenges. They can teach us how to, you know, or they help us move through anxiety. They, they have been found to be that final place that people with PTSD go to that finally frees them. From their PTSD. Yeah. Finally. Because horses meet you where you are. Horses require you to be present. And it, it is in our presence that we can be freed of the pain of our past and the anxiety and the fear of the future. It's in our presence that we heal. And teach us, uh, horses require us to be present. This is why they are such beautiful and powerful healers. This is why it is becoming a form of therapy that is more powerful than, than every other form that has come along. And now that this is happening, I, like people can truly see the healing power of these horses. And the more people that experience it, um, you know, they're using this. Uh, they have a program. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but that, that they're using in prison. And the inmates are working together with wild horses. And what they're finding is I think it's a, it's a staggering number of like 83% of these inmates that have been working with wild horses don't end up back in prison. These horses change their lives. Yeah. Now, that is huge because in the past, it, there was a staggering number of inmates that once they get out, they always end up back in prison. That's one example, but there's so much research done, and what we witness every single weekend here at Believe Ranch and Rescue with our therapy programs, it is just mind-blowing and beautiful and miraculous 
the difference these horses make in people's lives, whether they are going through cancer or they are struggling with grief or they have PTSD. These are the future healers. They always have been healing, but yeah. they're the most intelligent beings. So, sir, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you kind of opening the door for me to come in with that because it's something that is so incredibly important for people to know. And it sounds like from that uh, sort of chance encounter with Savannah, you guys have become uh, uh, nothing short of evangelical about the uh, the magical power and healing powers of horses. Oh, yes, Duncan. I mean, you will find me on stage. I talk about it. I just want people to know, and and I want more people to choose this avenue for their own healing. Yeah. Um, the more we can do it here, the more we can talk about it Like on shows like this. Um, it's just going to be a, a saving grace for so many humans. <clears throat> so let's, uh, just because I don't want to get too close to the end of the show without making sure we uh, give this pro- its proper due, let's talk more specifically, we've alluded to the SAFE Act, but let's talk more specifically about what it is and what it would do, and then uh, related to that, maybe you could touch on what happened at Thursday's hearing. And, and then, you know, steps that we could all maybe take to uh, help move this forward. Absolutely. Um, I don't think the hearing could have gone any better. I, I do think they could have been a little bit more on the brutality of the actual industry. But I think the witness did a very good job. Um, I think I think my wife w- could have got into the emotional side a little more, but she probably wouldn't have shut up. So that's probably a good thing. She had a five-minute limit. I'm like, yeah, Siri's not going to do five minutes. Um, but, but it went extremely well. And we are hoping, we are hoping that it goes straight to a markup. Um, and you're, normally it will have to go through due process, but the great thing is right now, uh, Duncan, we actually have 218 co-sponsors, which is huge. Yeah. Everyone is very hard to get this. It's very bipartisan, um, and we are hoping it goes to, to the committee markup and then straight through on parsing, reporting the bill out of the committee, and then hopefully the House floor. Um, and then once it gets to the House floor, we would love for it to be going, obviously, it's the suspension calendar, but for that to happen, we have to have two-third votes in favour. And as you know, there's 435 members, and you can get way more votes than you do co-sponsors, and I do believe that if we can hit that 291 uh, yes votes, that it could go straight to the suspension calendar, no amendments. We, we pray for a clean bill. We know Chairman Pallone wants that. We, we hope that all the other, you know, the ones that make the decisions uh, want that too because trying to make an amendment or, or, or an, an attachment to this bill, even if it's another animal bill or horse bill, that is going to derail this and that just cannot happen. And the public need to push for that because the public are our heroes. They've gotten us this far and the legislators listen. They listen to us. Yes. You know, the Chairman Pallone, Jan Chikowski, all your uh, constituents, your, your local legislators in your districts, they hear you and they, they do listen to you. And we've sent, you know, up to like 20,000 emails in one district that we really need to get them to have targeted those guys. So they do listen. And even though people say, no, that they, they don't, well, they actually do. And so I would request uh, our, our followers and our fans and anyone who wants to get behind this to ask for the markup, um, get the yes vote, get it into the House, and then we need to, the next step will be really pushing to get the same bill through the Senate um, and make it a clean bill with no attachments. So hopefully that helps. And have you guys gotten wind of or otherwise uh, have an instinct even about some things that might be uh, attempted to be added to the bill, which, as you noted, would would then kind of derail the thing? Or uh, is there anything specific that you're kind of concerned about that might be coming in that regard? 
There, well, we do know that there was the, in the hearing, the subcommittee hearing last week, there were two bills. There was this, uh, the Save America's Forgotten Equines Act, HR 3355, and then there was the PAST Act, which is the soaring bill. Um, and I know that they have done a lot more, um, I guess, regulation on no one wants to see a horse, you know, having chains on their legs or their legs being burnt, that big lick thing. It's horrible. But I do know that there was a little bit of pushback on that one. So we, we can't have that attached to our bill. We just simply need to make it a clean bill. Yeah. Um, although we want it in that too, but, but there has been a lot more regulation on that. Uh, so that would be the only one that would, that would be my fear, and we're being totally transparent here, but that just, it just can't happen. Oh, that, that, that's something we can work on later. You know, it has to be a clean bill. So, so I'm not sure I follow you. Are you saying that there was concern that the soaring bill might be tried to be rolled into the SAFE? Uh, act bill we don't know we don't okay. know that we just thought it could, could, could be a possibility that I other groups may be doing that we've okay. honestly done it phone duncan and we um really have um that had the meetings by ourselves as well we met with the chairman Pallone and despite a lot of groups sort of claiming that that momentum came from them um we, we're bragging to say this but we were the ones that met with the chairman we're the ones that got the committee hearing it wasn't the big animal groups they were a big part of it but we brought the, 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 the bill to the chairman and were made him aware that it's in his committee and it has to, you know, we have to get a vote on this. And so um, we sort of got the, really got the momentum rolling there. And if it wasn't for Chairman Pallone, we wouldn't even have got the committee hearing. So that was very, very important. Yes, yeah, and in the past, Duncan, what's gotten in the way is, and it's typically the big animal groups, try to attach other things onto the bill. And then it becomes... You know, then there's going to be more chance of people pushing back on it. Mm. Right now, the, the beauty of this bill is that in the hearing, it was a clean bill. It was presented. There was no pushback. And that momentum was amazing. So what we pray for is that the big animal groups don't try to, you know, uh, add more things yeah. to it. We need to send it through clean as it is so that finally once and for all this can end yeah it's it's really fascinating kind of glimpse into how things work because uh you know there's just so many big animal issues that uh all kinds of groups and and activists small large whatever uh in theory team up on and 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 generally that's 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 actually true but you just pointed out a thing that i think is really notable that a lot of people i don't think think about is that sometimes there's other agendas at play which can, you know, uh, capsize an effort that's otherwise what people claim to be is the, the, the shared goal. And uh, it sounds like there's some more than a little risk of that from what you guys are saying now. Very much so. And that's why, you know, Beck and I decided to kind of go off on our own and really try and do this in a way where we can streamline, keep it simple you know, really clearly tell the public and everyone in legislation what's going on, why it needs to end, and why it needs to end now. And, yes, we just can't complicate things. We need to keep it simple, and we've got such incredible momentum. We've got, you know, people like Chairman Pallone and Jan Schakowsky and, you know, 84% of Americans that want this done, and it's just time. Yeah. So, um, we can smell the barn, and we need each and every one of you to help this ha- help make this happen. 
Uh, let me again say this is Talking Animals on WNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guests are Siri Lindley and Rebecca Keat, who co-founded Horses in Our Hands, a multifaceted organization dedicated to ending horse slaughter. We're in our final moments, but we invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. So if the SAFE Act did go through and didn't get, you know... Uh, things added that would, as we've noted, you know, kind of spoil things and, and derail the whole process. What 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 would that look like? What how would how would life for horses be different if the Safe Act did indeed go through the way you guys are hoping that it will, as opposed to what currently goes on? Well, I I think the most important thing that people need to know is it doesn't mean there's going to be millions of horses roaming around unwanted. <laughs> like that's just not the case. Right now, there are 27,000 horses being sent to slaughter uh, in the past year, but there are like 2 million homes wanting horses. And, that, and the prices will go down to buy horses. And the prices because will they're go- not going to have to kill buyers won't exist. There might be traders that kill buyers won't exist. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but not sorry. We'll wipe, we'll wipe them out. Yeah. <laughs> and sorry, and what then happens, you know, at the rate of which Equine therapy, equine-assisted coaching is becoming a big part of society. You know, our work would then go from not having to rescue horses from the road to slaughter, but running programs, running, you know, healing centers. And we also, our plan is to create um, an organization, and we're in the process of it right now, um, to support owners that may be unaware. You know, a lot of the time we go to auction and there's these lovely older couple, you know, 80 in their 80s, and we say to them, do you know what's happening to this horse? Oh, yeah, someone's going to buy him. I said, no, he's going to get dismembered alive in Mexico. And they don't even know because they're not on social media. They might not know about it. So we are creating a safety net program, and hopefully um, DC gets behind this where it's subsidized euthanasia for, for horses. Because I think Humane it's, it's not expensive. It's two or $300. But, you know, they've served you their whole life. They deserve the decency to be humanely euthanized. And, and that's something we really want to work on too. And, and helping with, with the regulation of breeding. Um, I don't think it's as big a problem as what some people, some of the, the, the ones that are pushing back on this think it is. It's, it's the same as dogs and cats and, and any other um, pet out there. It's just, it's just not going to be an issue. And we know that, but it's, it's bringing that awareness to the public that may have concern. And we feel, Duncan, that in saving these horses, I want everyone to know that in saving these horses, it comes full circle because those horses save us. And that's been a fact of life for, you know, hundreds of years. And this is making this world a better place. Save the horses, save the humans. Let's bring this full circle, um, and the world is going to be a much better place. <laughs> well, that might be exactly where we should leave this conversation for today. Uh, we've been speaking with Rebecca Keat and Siri Lindley. The organization is Horses in Our Hands, and there's obviously organizations as well, but you can go to horsesinourhands.org and find out about their work and how you can get involved and, and help on uh, you know, contacting your local representative and, and making some noise that might help this uh, SAFE Act get through unsullied, which is the only way we really want it to come through. So, uh, Rebecca and Siri, thank you so much for joining us again on Talking Animals. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And please, guys, follow us at 
forces in our hands. There's a little link in our bio, and that will automatically email your legislator to ask them to co-sponsor and get behind this bill. Thank you for having me. That's so great, and thanks for all your great hard work, too. Really appreciate it. We so appreciate you, Duncan. You're amazing. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you. Bye. Bye. In a moment, I'll speak with uh, Amy DeAndrea, whose company offers pet health-related classes. One of those classes, a pet CPR and first aid certification class, is being taught in Brandon this Saturday, June 4th. There's more to the event. We'll hear... Uh, some details uh, along those lines in just a moment. Right now, that we're going to step into the comedy corner with a longtime favorite, Joe Zimmerman, and a piece called Pet Snakes in today's comedy corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. I have a phobia of snakes. That's normal. It's weird that people have pet snakes when there's so many fluffy pet options available. <laughs> How does that go? You want the puppy? Wants to be your best friend. It's a rescue. Or you could get the cold-blooded reptile that's banging its head against the glass. Sure looks like it hates you. (laughs) Uh, It's the opposite of a rescue. It's an attack. It's it's actually what we rescued the rescue from, so... That's why we keep them separated. with bulletproof glass. Oh, you want more information on the limbless serpent? That surprises me. Um, let's see. I know it has infrared vision like the predator monster. And it's been the symbol for evil since the beginning of time. Which seems like a red flag. That was Joe Zimmerman in today's Comedy Corner with a piece called Pet Snakes, taken from his album Smiling with Wolves. Now it's time to speak with Amy DeAndrea, owner of a company called Pet Emergency Education, which offers pet health-related classes, including a pet CPR and first aid certification class that we taught in Brandon this Saturday, June 4th. This is Amy DeAndrea on Talking Animals on WF. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. Oh, thank you for having me. So first, tell me a little bit about the uh, the uh, pet emergency education. Just give me like maybe the elevator pitch of, of what is it, what it does, and what prompted you to, to start that company. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. I'd love to. Um, so as you said, we are a pet CPR and first aid training and certification company. We've been around about 10 years. Um, I'm a veterinary technician uh, myself and worked many years in veterinary hospitals and and I saw a lot of pet owners bring animals in that unfortunately had injuries that um, the owners didn't know what to do, didn't know what kind of first aid to provide to the animal uh, en route to the clinic. And then by the time they got to us, the animal was, you know, unfortunately so far gone or, or we were unable to, to, you know, reverse the situation that they were experiencing. And I really felt it was important to start teaching pet owners some basic, uh, you know, skills that they could use uh, at home or or. Um, you know, where they might be with their pets so that if the animal gets hurt or if they experience a, a life-threatening injury, um, we can, you know, teach them what to do to hopefully get them to the vet, uh, keep them alive or keep their condition from getting worse. And, and so we've uh, we've grown quite a bit. Um, and as you said, we do have a class there in Florida uh, this weekend, which we're really excited about. I have a fantastic instructor, Emily, who will be teaching um, that class. And she's been with us many years and is one of our senior instructors. So we've 
we've grown quite a bit and we're excited about it. And, you know, we're one of the largest pet CPR training companies in America. And uh, our programs are approved by the American Association of Veterinary Boards. Um, so we have a, a great program and an awesome uh, classes if anybody's interested. So uh, the reason that, that you started and with your own experience as a vet tech makes perfect sense. What, do, do people always recognize the need to to take a, a class in pet CPR or first aid? I mean, how, how there's a little I'm guessing there's a little bit of a gap there that needs to be bridged. How do you how do you go about doing that? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think in the pet owning society, they don't realize that pet CPR and first aid is something that they can do and learn how to do. And we get all the time, we, we hear people say, oh, pet CPR, I, di- I didn't even know that was a thing. And, you know, we try to educate them as well as not only putting information out on our website, but we have a very active uh, social media that people, you know, follow us and, you know, where we can provide information as well and, and get that out there to them to entice them to, hey, you know what, it, it really is a thing that could save your pet's life. Uh, the American Animal Hospital Association stated that one out of four more pets would survive a medical emergency, a life-threatening emergency, if uh, just one first aid technique was utilized, it was used for that pet. And I think if all more, the more people that know these skills and, and know they exist and know they have the opportunity to learn them, like at the class in, in, there in Florida, um, you know, they'll... they'll give that animal, their animal, their pet, um, a better chance of survival or surviving any type of life-threatening injury. And is it always clear when animals need that sort of intervention? Like cats, for instance, are notoriously stoic when they're ill or injured. Um, So what are some less pronounced signs or symptoms of an animal that needs, uh, you know, care or first aid of the kind that you guys teach in those classes? Well, that is true that, you know, Pets, they can't speak to us, and they can't tell us where it hurts. And so we go through a series, a portion of the class, we talk about how to recognize the signs of a medical emergency, things like, um, you know, how the animal's behaving, if their behavior changes, do they stop eating, um, do they seem painful, how can we uh, take their temperature and see, you know, if they're acting like they're very sick or maybe they're vomiting, um, you know, we can teach people how to do some things like check their heart and check their uh, respiratory rate, how fast they're breathing, and, and um, you know, what color their gums are. Gums on animals should be pink, and if the gum color changes to, say, white or blue or, or yellow, it indicates that there is a, a medical emergency occurring with that animal. So yeah. we want people to be able to recognize those things, of course. And what does the... Um the certificate that they would earn in, in a class like this Saturday in Brandon uh, enable them to do? Is it just the knowledge that they've gained by along the way of, re, of earning the certificate, or does the certificate have some meaning beyond that itself? It does, and it, it of course, uh, starts with, you know, proving that they've gained that knowledge. Um, there is a little assessment at the end of the class where the instructor goes through the hands-on portion. Everyone will get to work hands-on learning how to do the Heimlich maneuver on dogs and cats and how to do CPR. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the instructor's observations, she can verify that they have learned those skills and provide them that proof with that certificate. But the certificate also, um, if an individual, say, needs it for their job, we get a lot of people that want to work as pet sitters and dog trainers. They want to volunteer at shelters. And those types of businesses and organizations require people to be certified in pet CPR and first aid. So our certificate qualifies for that. That's and great. professionals such as dog trainers and veterinary professionals get continuing education credits. 
so they can renew their licenses using our class as a, a continuing education training program. So there are a lot of benefits to the, not only just saying, hey, I learned this information, but they can have that, in, that, that certificate that can show I'm qualified to do all these other things. Yeah, so for, for getting hired for one thing or another, it sounds like it's a pivotal uh, thing mm-hmm. to, to uh, have it there. And, there. and even with high school students or, or, or college students, um, some of them need that for, you know, college applications or, you know, to qualify for certain things and uh, credits in school. So we do accept, you know, allow high school students and, and uh, college students to come to our classes as well. And how long is the, how many hours is the, the course itself? It is three hours. Okay. Yep. So let's, uh, we've touched on it, but let's, maybe we can get a few more specifics. So the, the class that's kind of coming up locally here is this Saturday, June 4th in Brandon. What time uh, is the class? Um, so the class is at 1 p.m., so it goes 1 to 4. Okay. Uh, it's being hosted at Dancing for a Difference. Um, and it, the, the wonderful thing about this class also is it's a fundraiser for a local uh, charity, the Community Pet Project. Oh, great. Wow, it's got a lot of things going for it. Cool. Mm. So um, if you wanted to find out more, would they go to um, the Pet Emergency Education website or a social media page or both? Or what uh, people are hearing this saying, hey, you know what, I've got some time this Saturday. Maybe I'll jump in on that. Yeah, we would love to have them. So the best thing to do is go to our website, which is PetEmergencyEducation.com. So it's our company name, PetEmergencyEducation.com. Mm-hmm. And they'll see a link at the top that says register for a class. And they'll go to that page, and all the classes are listed by state. So they would certainly want to click on Florida, of course. Yeah. And then they'll see the registration uh, page and the information page for that class. And how many states are you in, Amy? Uh, we're in about 35 states. Wow. Um, and we're growing all the time. So we're always trying to expand uh, as far as we can reach. That's great. Well, this sounds really cool, and it sounds really helpful in all kinds of ways, whether people want to use it professionally or just have the, the comfort of knowing, like, God forbid something happens with one of their animals, uh, they, know, they know how to react. Uh, that's really great. So thanks for uh, making the time to join us today on Talking Animals. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Coming up on WNF Music Kicks Back In with Scott Elliott from noon to 3 p.m. A glorious three hours of music, followed by Robin Hooper with another three hours of music. And we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. Meanwhile, on this show, is at the moment, it's a prize for Name That Animal Tune. We'll be offering something fabulous from the Talking Animals Vault. So the first person who calls 813-239-9663 and correctly identifies this animal song. It's Name That Animal Tune on Talking Animals on WMNF. If you can name that animal tune, we'll take your guess off the air because we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF. Tampa. Remember, next Wednesday, I'll be uh, out of town. I'm sorry to miss the uh, Fun Drive show, but Bev Capshaw, Laura Taylor, and Flea will all be here on Talking Animals, raising money as part of WNF's Summer Fun Drive. So please donate early and often if you can. Check TalkingAnimals.net for info about our exclusive thank you gifts and fast, easy ways to pledge. 
Or just go to WNF.org and hit the tip jar if you're not concerned about gifts. Just want to support Talking Animals. So I'll see you in a couple weeks here. And uh, thanks so much for listening. This is Talking Animals on WNF Tampa. Scott Elliott's up next after NPR News Headlines. Thanks.